Good morning, Grace Vineyard. For those who are in the, in the hall, it's wonderful for us to be together again. Happy New Year to you, as I said earlier on. And to all of those that are watching this on YouTube, we just want to say thank you for being with us and we want to say good morning and Happy New Year. 2nd of January, 2022. What a great time. It's a new year, and with that comes the possibility of new things from God. Who's excited about what God has for us in this new year as Grace Vineyard Church? Who's excited? Yeah, good. I'm glad to hear that. I like the enthusiasm. I believe God has got great things for us this year. We just need to push into God and all that He is doing. So how do we do that? I'm so glad you asked. (laughs) Two words, or actually three if you count the link word. I can't remember what the proper English language word is for it, but it's fasting and prayer. Fasting and prayer. That's how we push in to God. As I said earlier, Jill and I, along with the other senior pastors of the Vineyard UK and Ireland, have been invited by John and Debbie Wright, our national directors, to 21 days of prayer and fasting through January. And we want to open this up to the whole church so that we can all be fasting and praying each, each week, Monday through Friday, through the month of January. Now, in order to prepare, prepare for this, I know it's very short notice, um, I want to speak about fasting and praying. There have been a, a number of sermons in this church over the years on prayer in our time in Grace Vineyard. But as far as I know, I've only preached once on fasting in the time that we've been here. So I want to spend a little bit more time speaking on the fasting than on the prayer. I want to start by looking at five questions on fasting and then looking at three ways of praying. So the first thing is, are we still called to fast? Secondly, who is called to fast? Thirdly, when do we fast? Fourthly, how do we fast? And fifthly, why do we fast? Start with the first one. Are we still called to fast? Or is it just an Old Testament thing for the Jews? Throughout the Old Testament, we see the Jews being called to fast. In fact, they had three specific days of fasting in the year, in their calendar year. Um, I don't want to look at their, their traditions now, but to answer this question, let us look at Christ as our example and teacher. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Jesus fasted 40 days and nights, and then he was hungry. Not thirsty, but hungry. I'll say a little bit more about that later. In the Sermon on the Mount, which we looked at last year, Jesus says, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast... Put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 to 18. When you fast is mentioned twice in this short passage. 
It's something Jesus expects us to do. In the Sermon on the Mount, it's when you fast, when you pray, when you give. Those are three things that he expects us to be doing. Then John's disciples came and asked him, How is it that we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus answered, How can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, then they will fast. Then they will fast. After Jesus has been taken physically from his disciples, then they will be expected to fast. Are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? If the answer is yes, then you are still called to fast. Jesus is in heaven. He's no longer on earth with us. We are called to fast. So who is called to fast? As I've just said, if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, then you're called to fast. All of God's children are called to fast. And when I say children, I mean our children as well. You see this throughout the Old Testament. Now, I'm not talking about babies, but about children, those that can understand an explanation and teaching about fasting as to why they fast. If you read the Old Testament, you'll see it. Time and again, the whole nation was called to fast, including the children. How many of you who were brought up in Christian homes were taught about fasting? I bet very few. Very few. There will be very few of you. If you were, say thank you, Lord, for great parents who taught us that. Yeah. We are all called to fast. Now, we have a friend in Hong Kong who says, when the Bible says all, it means all. Okay? Those with specific medical conditions or ladies who are pregnant or breastfeeding are excused from fasting. Okay? There's not many in that category here in the church, but if you are breastfeeding or you are pregnant, you are excused from fasting because it's not good for, for you or the development of the baby. Thirdly, when do we fast? Now, don't believe that God wants us to fast ritualistically because that just leads to bondage and it smacks of religion. Religious fasting is just that, religious. It's not being led by the Holy Spirit. Now, I do believe that a way of training oneself and the family is to set aside specific days for fasting, be it once a week, once a fortnight, or even once a month to start with. But you need to begin somewhere. Do this as a form of training so that when you are called to fast for a longer time than one day, it won't be totally alien to you and your family. The best answer to when do we fast is when you feel God calling you or prompting you to fast and or when you feel that you need to seek God's face on an issue. Or when God speaks to the leadership of the church about the whole church fasting be it the local church, Grace Vineyard, or a national church, as we're doing in this, in this month, the Vineyard, or the universal church. Fourthly, how do we fast? In Scripture, we see three different types of fasts. Firstly, a total fast, where we nothing to eat or nothing to drink. Secondly, the normal fast, nothing to eat but water to drink. Thirdly, the partial fast, eating and drinking only certain foods or not eating certain meals of the day. So the total fast, 
this would normally be no longer than three days. We see this in Scripture. When Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, three days, night or day. I and my maids will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went away and carried out all of Esther's instructions. Esther chapter 4, verses 15 to 17. She called for three days of fasting. No, no food, no water, nothing to drink. And there are other references, but we just don't have time to look at them now. The normal fast. This is when you eat nothing but drink only water. You can do this for up to 40 days. Yes, you will lose weight, uh, a lot of it, but you'll not damage your body. Medical science agrees with this. We've already seen that Jesus fasted for 40 days and nights in, in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. And then he was hungry, but not thirsty. He didn't eat, but he drank. Please remember that if you fast, especially long fasts, it must be at the leading of our Heavenly Father through the Holy Spirit. Don't do it just because you want to lose weight. Rather, change your eating and exercise habits if that's your goal. And also, if you're going to do a long fast, you need to prepare for it. You don't just suddenly start it and stop eating and only drink water because your body will almost shut down and you'll struggle with that. You need to build into it. Third fast is the partial fast. This is where you eat and drink certain things only. It's not one of those fad diets, but being led by the Lord to, as you give up certain foods or eat certain foods. Daniel is a great example of someone who did a partial fast. You might hear people talking about a Daniel fast. Those in the Tuesday Night Connect group should remember this when we looked at the book of, or the book of Daniel. Daniel and his friends refused to eat the fancy food and drink the wine from the king's table while they were undergoing their three years of training. Instead, they only ate vegetables and drank only water. And after the initial 10-day period, they looked better than the rest of those that were going through this time. But I'll read one, something else from Daniel. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel, who is called Belteshazzar. Its message was true, and it concerned a great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotion at all, lotions at all until the three weeks were over. Daniel chapter 10, verses 1 to 3. This is why people often do a three-week Daniel fast. This is where it comes from. Um, where they eat only vegetables and drink only water or drink fruit juice at, instead of just water. Another type of partial fast, which we don't really see in Scripture, but often in church history, is where a meal is skipped. Many of the great men and women of God who were often used during revival or in intercession would miss either a midday or evening meal and spend that time in prayer. This was done almost daily, not just once or twice a week they would do this. So that's another type of fast, and that's one of the options that we'll have in this, in this month of January. Fifthly, why do we fast? We fast to bring our bodies, our flesh, under the authority of our spirit, for our spirit guides us. 
God communicates with us spirit to spirit, his Holy Spirit to our spirit. If our bodies control us, then we're not being led and guided by the spirit. How many of us eat just because we want to, not because we must? I know I'm one of those. I love eating. And uh, I do it because I enjoy it. Um, and I'm sure there's many of you that, that do that as well. Why do we fast? Because God has called us and instructed us to fast. God wants to speak to us. But we are so caught up with things that we never make time to hear from him. God calls us to set time aside where we subject the will of our body, the desire for food, to the will of the Spirit, to commune with God, to spend time with God in prayer, listening and talking to God. Now, why do we fast in times of crisis? To hear from God and get His perspective on things, to call out to Him, for Him to rescue us from what is threatening, be it famine, disease, as we're going through at the moment with COVID, drought, floods, war, political and or economic disaster. There are times in those times of crises that we fast. And why do we fast in good times? To hear from God and to not become complacent. To seek his face and to know his will. To be a blessing and to set the captives free. You can read about that in Matthew chapter 17 verses 14 to 21 about fasting to set the captives free. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe him, and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and you will say, Here am I. Isaiah chapter 58 verses 6 to 9, the beginning of verse 9. Fasting is not just about giving up food and drink, but it's also about providing for and blessing those who are needy and oppressed. When we fast, we use the time we would be eating to be in the presence of the Lord, to have him lead and guide us, and to hear him speak to us, and for us to speak to him. This is also known as prayer. Let's now look at prayer. Now prayer is just that, listening and talking to God as we live out each day. It is said that we've been given two ears and one mouth so that we listen twice as much as we speak when being with God. And I know many of us struggle with that because for many of us, our prayer time means coming to God with our list of requests and then going on with our day once we have told God what our needs are. But we fail to wait and listen for Him to speak. And we wonder why many of our prayers are not answered. Our prayers carry power. And that's why we pray every Sunday. Yeah. Paul Yonggi Cho in his book Prayer, Key to Revivals, says, The devil has never been too concerned about church ritual, but he is deathly afraid of genuine prayer. The devil has never been too concerned about church ritual, but he is deathly afraid of genuine prayer. 
So how do we pray? So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Luke 11 verse 9. I want to look at three types of prayer really quickly. Petition, devotion and intercession. The first, petition prayer. Petition is not ritualistic repetition, but persistent asking. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Matthew 6 and verse 7. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 5 verses 16 to 18. We need to ask for all things. Our salvation, we needed to ask God to forgive us, and we must continually ask for forgiveness. We need to ask Christ to come into our hearts and our lives, even though salvation is a free gift. We needed to ask. We must ask for the Holy Spirit's fullness to be made available to us, and God will give it to us. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? When we are petitioning the Father in prayer, we need to do five things. Firstly, we need to have faith. If you doubt, you lose out. Believe that our Father hears and wants to bless us with what we are asking for. Secondly, we, we are to remain in prayer. Petition takes time, effort, and energy. Don't give up too soon. Thirdly, be correctly motivated. Pray for the right reason. Fourthly, ask according to God's will, not according to our wants. God knows what is best for us, and that is what he wants to bless us with. And fifthly, be specific. Don't pray vague prayers. I could tell you a wonderful story of a lady that I knew who was widowed and was asking God for, for her husband. And she got everything she asked for except for one thing. He lived in a, in a city that was far away from where she was. She hadn't said he needed to be where, where she was. But everything else, he fitted the bill. But I won't go too much into that now. We don't have time. Okay. So, secondly, devotional prayer. But if from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find him if you look for him with all your heart and with all your soul. Deuteronomy 4.29 God has always desired communion with man. He and Adam would walk in the cool of the, the day in the garden. You can read that in Genesis chapter 3. We've been given the Holy Spirit to lead us into fellowship and communion with the Father. God is willing to give what we ask for. But he also wants to spend time with us and wants us to spend time with him. Be in his presence. When you love someone, you want to be together as much as possible, don't you? And that's the same with God. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. John chapter 4 and verse 23. God has got great treasures for us. He is waiting to give them to us. We ask, which is good, but we lack wisdom as to what to ask for. So God can't give us the treasures. But if we commune with him, he reveals the treasures to us and we can receive them. The secret things belong to the Lord our God 
but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may follow all the words of this law. Deuteronomy 29, 29. If, uh, I, sorry, I love those who love me, and those who seek me find me. With me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. My fruit is better than fine gold. What I yield surpasses choice silver. Proverbs 8, 17-19. Seek God because he is there to be found. The third one is intercessory prayer. We petition, we seek, but we must also intercede. In intercession, we share the burden of Christ for someone or some situation or place. Intercession is prayer laid upon our hearts by God through the Holy Spirit for someone else. Most often we don't know the full circumstances of the one we are praying for, but God does. So let the Holy Spirit lead us in this time of prayer. His nightmares began when, each day when he awoke. James Steagles was 19. He was in Vietnam. Though he carried a small Gideon New Testament in his shirt pocket, he couldn't bring himself to read it. His buddies were cut down around him. Terror was building within him, and God seemed far away. His 20th birthday passed, then his 21st. At last, he felt he couldn't go on. On February 26, 1968, he prayed for all this to end, and his heart told him he would die before dusk. Sure enough, his base came under attack that day, and Jim heard a rocket coming straight towards him. Three seconds to live, he told himself. Then too, then. A friend shoved him into a grease pit, and he waited for the rocket to explode. But there was only a surreal silence. The fuse malfunctioned. For five hours, James knelt in that pit, and finally his quivering hand reached into his shirt pocket and took out his New Testament. Beginning with Matthew, continued through the first 18 chapters. When he read Matthew chapter 18 and verse 19 to 20, he said, I somehow knew things would be all right. Long after Jim returned home as he was visiting his wife's grandmother, Mrs. Harris, she told him a night years before when she had awakened in terror. Knowing Jim was in Vietnam, she sensed he was in trouble. She began praying for God to spare his life. Unable to kneel because of arthritis, she lay prone on the floor, praying and reading her Bible all night. Just before dawn, she read Matthew chapter 18, verses 19 and 20. If two of you agree down here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather together because they are mine, I am there among them. She immediately called her Sunday school teacher who got out of bed and went to Mrs. Harris's house where together they claimed the Lord's promises as they prayed for Jim until reassured of God's peace. Having told Jim the story, Mrs. Harris opened her Bible to show him where she had marked the passage. In the margin were the words, Jim, February 26th, 1968. Intercession in action. We are the salt of the earth. We are God's preservatives on this dying world. We are the barrier between Satan and man. Paul Yonggi Cho, in his book, Prayer, Key to Revival, says, in intercession, the Christian enters into the priestly function of providing an earthly base 
for God's heavenly interests. Intercessory prayers for people and places and against powers of darkness. We stand in the gap in times of intercession. If we want to be effective in reaching the lost world, we must wait on God, hear his heartbeat, and pray for and over the things that are concerning him. All that you've heard this morning, and I know I've gone through it fairly quickly, mustn't just be head knowledge, but must become experiential knowledge. We must put this into practice. We need to practice praying. The more we do it, the easier it becomes. Now, I know for some of you, you love praying, and you do it regularly. For others, it's a struggle, but we need to practice it. During these 21 days of prayer and fasting, can I ask you to begin with devotional prayer? Spend time in the presence of God, being loved by Him, before you begin to petition Him for the things on the prayer list. And if He leads you into intercession for something or someone, keep praying till you feel a peace in your spirit that the issue is resolved. And then go on to the petitioning of the, the points that we are sending out to you. Practice being in His presence and then go into a time of petitioning. I know that's a lot in a short time, but uh, I wanted to get through this. There's almost two messages in one, but we wanted to do this. So, discussion questions. First one, do you fast regularly? If not, what prevents you? Secondly, what one thing could you change in your life during January to be able to spend more time praying and fasting. What one thing could you change in your life during January to be able to spend more time praying and fasting? Thirdly, pray for one another to be able to commit to this time of prayer and fasting. Okay, pray for one another to be able to commit to this time of prayer and fasting. <clears throat> 